My name is Rose Cortine and you're listening to the Talking Teenage Life podcast. This is a podcast that explores people's experiences in their teenage years and what they've learnt since. Today's podcast is with Vicky Chalk. Hello, Vicky. Hiya. So we're in your mum's house in Brixton, but you live in Bristol. Where did your teenage years start? Like, where were you? Yeah, so uh, d- technically down here in Brixham um, uh, until I was about just over 11, halfway through my first year of secondary school, actually. Yeah. And we moved to Bristol then, yeah. Oh. And when you said family, mm. who did that include? So my parents got divorced when I was uh, still in primary school. Yeah. And in my first, so I started uh, secondary school and halfway through that, um, my mother met her new husband now, Tony. Yeah. And uh, he lived in Bristol. So uh, myself and my mother moved to Bristol um, in with Tony. Um, my dad and my brother stayed down here in Brixham. Yeah. And my sister was at university in Swansea at the time. So, oh, right. So we were all kind of all over the place at that, at that particular yeah. time. Yeah. That must have been hard. How did you cope with that then? I think as when I was younger, I didn't really understand yeah. uh, what was going on. It was quite confusing. Um, and for me, I, I remember thinking all the time that... Um, I really like Tony and I really like yeah. my stepmom Jade, um, who, oh, right. my, who my dad is with. And I remember yeah. thinking, maybe if those two met, they would date and then my parents could be back <laughs> together and then everyone would be happy. And, <laughs> and obviously, actually, when I got older, I realized that my mum and my dad weren't happy together and this was yeah. actually for the better for, for everybody involved. But yeah. I, yeah, I think I didn't really understand it at first that they yeah. didn't want to be together. Because you'd always uh, seen them together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but actually now I've got more memories of them apart than I have together. And it it works. So, yeah, it was was difficult, but but okay in the end. Yeah. And how did school fit into all of that? Like, did you find school easy, hard? So education I find very hard. I've always found hard. Uh, I have dyslexia, so and I got diagnosed with that when I was in primary school, actually. Um, And so education has always been a struggle yeah um and to add to that I obviously moved from Brixham to Bristol halfway through year seven like I yeah. said yeah and then the school that I was attending in Bristol uh when I was in year nine decided to close oh. so I ended up moving <laughs> to another school so I went to three different high schools um which was hard yeah and, and also because of my special educational needs yeah I, it was having to re- relearn how to do it with a different tutor and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So that made it, made it difficult. I was quite happy when school ended, if I'm honest. <laughs> and how, like, did you, when you moved school, did you mm. find making friends easy or? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm quite a social person, quite outgoing. Yeah. And so when I moved from Brixham to Bristol, it was complete culture shock, shock for me because down here in Brixham back in the, 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 the 90s, the early 2000s, yeah. 
was predominantly white um and moving to bristol a a quite big city city where it's very multicultural yeah i was very confused by all of that and no one had really ever talked to me about it and so that that was interesting but after a while it was fine I made lots of friends but then we moved again but the good thing with that was most of your friends moved with you exactly yeah yeah. so it was okay in the end (laughs) yeah did you have any other interests like that you enjoyed doing outside of school yeah so I was a sea cadet for most of my secondary school period Uh, I really enjoyed that and it kind of led me to want to when I was older join the navy which yeah uh, i entertained for all of five minutes <laughs> before i realized <laughs> that i would have to be away from my mum's cooking for six months at a time <laughs> but uh yeah i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed the structure of that yeah. especially with um my dyslexia i find if i have a routine and structure yeah it, it just makes everything so much easier for me so yeah yeah that that was my main hobby outside of outside of school yeah you mentioned one future aspiration. Did you have any others that you would like, other jobs you'd want to be when you grew up? Uh, I think the, I think part of me will always have hoped that I would have become some sort of, sort of famous actor or something like <laughs> that. I used to love drama. Um, yeah. And like I say, because of my struggle with education, yeah, doing drama was just seemed like the fun. easiest thing. Yeah. And, and it was so fun and, and it didn't seem to require me to be good at reading or writing or maths which you know I absolutely hate yeah (laughs) so that that was really good but uh obviously becoming a famous actor is yeah hard work hard work (laughs) um so really no other than acting that I mean I always loved food but yeah um never really saw that as a career path fully enough (laughs) so after you did like have some aspirations that you knew never would come true uh what was your first job that you then went into my first job gosh uh, my first job was um stuffing envelopes Ooh. for <laughs> invoicing people um i did it once a month for about six hours and that, yeah. that was my first kind of part-time job i didn't have like a paper route or anything like that and i <laughs> i did that and then um when i was in college i started doing uh washing up i was a, I was a kitchen porter for yeah for a nursery company um yeah that those were my first two jobs not very glamorous <laughs> but they paid some bills <laughs> yeah you also at some point worked for your mum as yes. well in her business was that hard working for your in the same business as your mum, brother, sister, and your stepdad? It was, to yeah. be honest, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember my friends asking me what I was going to do when I left college, and yeah. um, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but the last thing I will do, I'll never do it, is work for my parents. <laughs> um, and then I think about a week after I left college, I started working for my mother. <laughs> um, I, I, it was never something that I particularly thought I wanted to do or anything yeah. like that. Um, and I think most people find it peculiar for my family that we all work together and we all see each other all the time. Yeah. And it's kind of like, do you not want to break from each other? Yeah, and, but, and you're annoying each other too much. Exactly. And we do, but I think we are very close as a family. Yeah. And yes, it is hard sometimes to work with each other because you have to kind of separate personal yeah. and business. But um, we've managed to make it work somehow. <laughs> Were there were there any bits like that you actually were quite relieved that you were working for your mum? Like, if there were any struggles or anything, would that help? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely with my, as I said, with my dyslexia. Um, yeah, that understanding that 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 was yeah um, 
one of my uh, down points for me. Um, and also in, in later years, um, my physical health got quite complicated. Yeah. Um, and having the support of, you know, knowing that work is going to be yeah. okay because I can take some time off and, and it's going to yeah. be understandable. Um, like if I had been working for somebody else, I'm not sure how that would have would have worked. I know yeah. that would have been another stress on top of mental health or, yeah. or physical health stresses that I might have had. Yeah. What did you then do after you worked for your mum then? Yeah, so I uh, I decided that I wanted a complete career change because I was yeah. doing a lot of administration work, a lot of purchasing kind of work, which is great office work. It's great hours, uh, but it's not, it's kind of soul destroying. Slowly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I decided that I needed to really think about what do I enjoy? What, what am I good at? Yeah. And I've always loved cooking. I've always been really good at cooking, but I kind of was like, yeah, but it's, you know, I don't, it's, a, it's not it's really, really hard. A, and yeah, just, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and then I realized that, as I got older I was becoming more and more obsessed with food and it yeah. was nothing but filling me with like this drive to make <laughs> harder dishes or harder things so I ended up looking into becoming a chef yeah and I decided to to quit my job and spend my entire life savings <laughs> and go to a school here in Devon called uh, Ashburton Cookery School yeah. which is a an academy that is uh, all run by ex Michelin star chefs. Yeah. Um. So it was a six months intensive course, um, and where they literally teach you everything you can think of, and it is pretty hard work. But that just really strengthened that passion and obsession I had with yeah. food. Um. So that's what I'm doing now is cooking. Yeah. Was it hard to tell your mum that you didn't want that you wanted to have a career change, or did she take it well? yeah I mean it, it was hard I think everyone was a bit skeptic at first yeah. because it was a lot of money and it was completely different mm. and you know I'm not the youngest person anymore and yeah so I think she was concerned more than anything um but I mean she'd always known that it, what what I was doing was not right for me yeah and you didn't enjoy it as much as you thought yeah you so I think yeah. and I remember having a whole conversation with her where I said you know I I, I want to do this and I want I want to feel like you are proud of me yeah. for accomplishing, you know, accomplishing, uh, accomplishing something. <laughs> um, and you know, and that was quite a good conversation between my mum because yeah. I always thought that I, she wasn't proud of me particularly, and, yeah. and there was nothing to be proud of. Um, yeah. I always kind of saw myself as the problem child. Yeah, you hadn't carried on the family yeah, business exactly. And everyone, my brother and my sister are very smart and yeah. intellectual, and so I, I kind of felt like I was always the, the trouble child. And I said to her, you know, I just want you to be proud. And it was the first time I think we really had that conversation where she yeah. said, I am proud of you. And yeah. So I think that was good for us both. Both in a bit of your relationship exactly, as well. Exactly, yeah. So it did end up being one of the good things that came out of it. So after you got your qualifications, mm. what are you doing now? Yeah, so I, I'm starting, well, I've started two companies since. Yeah. Um, uh, in the last six months. So one of them is a like a, an early years for nurseries catering company. Yeah. Um, and the other one is the Chalkboard Supper Club. So this is where myself and a business partner, James Morton, we, we were both chefs. We met on the course. Yeah. Um, both ended up living very close to Bristol. Yeah. So we decided to come together and, and, and see what we could do with that. Um, so really, it's we run supper clubs every month. Yeah. Uh, we're also private chefs for hire. And we basically... Um, come up with set menus of fine dining seasonal <laughs> uh reasonably sourced yeah. um ingredients and, and we have about eight people come over to my house 
where I cook them dinner. Yeah. Um, let them drink lots of wine, <laughs> which you shouldn't drink, obviously. Being a <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that's what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so where did that idea initially come from? I guess um, once I started cooking on the course, yeah. I realized that I had this passion for pairing up flavors and the real like technical things that you yeah. have to do when you cook and there's such a big science element to it really as well as creativity yeah and met James and and realized that we really shared that passion and we were like we we need to do something together yeah. it just needs to happen um and when you're doing something that you love with somebody else that you really care about and yeah. it comes together it doesn't f- even though it's hard hours and you're knackered yeah. and you're sore and it doesn't Everything pay that aches. very much <laughs> and you, you don't think you could look at another piece of bread again because yeah. you baked about 12 <laughs> it's so satisfying compared to coming home having a good wage but not yeah. feeling like you've accomplished anything yeah yeah what are your plans then for the future with the business side of stuff then yeah, so we really want to expand the chalkboard um, yeah. as a as a brand. Um, lots of trying to get lots of private events, um, yeah. and really just to show people what you can do with food, and that you know, in England itself, so we have great locally sourced ingredients, yeah, um, and there is no reason why you can't afford to do it ethically and yeah. sustainably. Um, and basically it's instant gratification really we like yeah. to see people smile just because they've tasted something I've always said to someone people say oh I just want them to eat my food and uh, not be able to put it down but yeah. I have always said no I want you to taste my food and I want it make, to make you stop eating yeah. because it's like whoa what is that <laughs> so w- the plan is just to keep building see yeah. and see what we can get our hands on really so who's your target market then um hipsters <laughs> to say that yeah probably i mean I, I being from or living in bristol yeah there's a massive brunch scene um very big on the vegans um and and kind of hipster you know zero waste yeah. all that kind of stuff and that's rubbed off on me a lot and and that is part of the values of what i enjoy so probably if i was going to sum it up i would say hipsters yeah <laughs> is the, probably the target audience and how what would you do to try and promote it then so I have a Facebook page, which is the yeah. Supper Club. <laughs> um, we have our business cards. We we run these cl- um, these supper clubs. Yeah, uh, one Instagram and such like that. And we're we're just trying to show to people that yes, you can go to a restaurant and to be honest, most of it we brought in, or you can come yeah. to us for a night and have a seven course tasting meal and 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 see what real food tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so later in the year, you're getting married. Um, where did you meet your future wife? Yeah, uh, I met Tan um, <laughs> working in a mental health charity for LGBTQ yeah. young people. Um, uh, she's a counsellor and yeah. I was a youth worker. And um, yeah, the first time I met her, I, f- I remember thinking... Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have her. She's mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it took me about six months to convince her <laughs> that she should at least come out on a date with me. Yeah. Um. Uh. So that that yeah, that's how I met her, and that was almost four years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. So how what how difficult was it to come out to your family? It was easily the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um. I think 
the problem with it is that especially when i when i came out when i was i was 17 yeah i'm 28 now obviously um and you didn't I, really know what their reaction was exactly. gonna be and it was so different it was still something that people didn't really like to talk about yeah um and it was still quite seemed as almost like a shameful thing to be um yeah. so i was terrified i was terrified of telling them yeah and but you so, knew you had to. Yeah, I knew I had to. Yeah. And once I figured it out, I was like, there's no way. I actually went to a uh, LGBTQ plus youth group. Yeah. And my first session, I was there and I just thought, I've got, I've got to tell them. So I went straight home afterwards yeah. and I just sat down with my mum and Tony and I, I told her. Um, and her, she was very supportive. Her only yeah. thing that she was is that she knew that because she had lots of gay friends. Yeah. That this wasn't an easy life. Um, yeah and and that's what she no parent wants a child to have to have a hard life no but it would be harder for me to hide who i am than yeah than to to be out and to be open about it but the thing is i with, with coming out is you never stop coming out no everyone you meet everybody yeah everybody you you meet is is you you have to come out over and over and over again yeah yeah so was there did their reaction match how you would think they react they would have reacted um pretty pretty close to yeah um i was worried about telling my dad um i thought he might be angry or disappointed in me and actually out of everybody in my family he probably took it the best really yeah yeah he um my stepmom <laughs> told him and, and then he, <laughs> he literally he didn't say anything to me he just came over and he gave me a hug and he said i still love you yeah and then he was like now tell me about all the girls <laughs> <laughs> yeah um which was a it was a big shock for me um because yeah. i just you know and i think he was just glad that some guy wasn't gonna get me pregnant <laughs> <laughs> um was it um difficult to be gay as a teenager then yeah it, it, i mean yeah easily yes it was um it, it was hard to figure out who you were le- yeah. you know when you're a teenager and then to add in your sexuality on top of that is yeah even, even harder, harder. <laughs> and it wasn't even like i said i didn't come out until i was 17 and i didn't actually realize i was getting until i was 17 and i had boyfriends and was just like yeah i don't understand why people say that they feel these this these mo- like uh, amount of emotions for boys yeah i just don't feel anything but i'm having a boyfriend because i feel like it's the social norm yeah and, and it wasn't till i started dating women yeah. i was like i get it now yeah um so it was hard and with anything like that you know anyone who's different you get met with sly comments yeah. or looks or something like that so that that's hard yeah. but i think it's getting better now not gone but it is getting better yeah so do you still get homophobic people like judging you now yeah i mean definitely from the older generation yeah um it, it it's it's form what people some people think that homophobia is um is when someone starts shouting something at you or yeah. makes an inappropriate comment but actually one of the biggest things that you can do to make somebody who is uh, lgbtq plus yeah feel uncomfortable is to stare at them yeah and, and like keep looking at them and yeah and you can yeah. see it you can see a lot from a person's eyes yeah how they interpret you and you can see loathing or disgust or anything yeah. like that and 
I always find the terminology tolerance a really interesting one because tolerance implies that you have to tolerate me being there and actually that we shouldn't have to tolerate anyone we should just accept everyone who who, for who they are yeah do you have any advice then to give to teenagers who like might be coming out or yeah have been feeling these feelings or anything nobody can tell you when it's time to come out yeah you have to be right so don't don't give into peer pressure if someone tells you you should come out if somebody if you date somebody and they're out but you're not and they're telling you you should that's not okay no not at all um so take your time yeah it's not gonna go away but it will get easier yeah yeah um moving on to cooking Mm. then do you have like a favorite meal to cook or anything? Oh, a favorite meal. Um, do you ever have you ever tried venison? No. <laughs> so venison's a deer. Yeah. Um, and venison's quite a strong flavor. Yeah. Um, and the, one of the things I really love about venison is that you can pair it with a chocolate sauce, like a chocolate gravy almost. Yeah. Um, which sounds disgusting. I know meat and gravy, <laughs> but uh, uh, well, meat and chocolate gravy, but. It honestly is probably one of the best things I've ever tasted. <laughs> and I'd never tasted it before I learned how to, 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 on this course. Yeah. And I remember them putting it in front of me and I went, oh no, it's Bambi. I don't want to eat Bambi. Um, and then I was like, oh, Bambi tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, vegetarians. But uh, yeah, so I think ven- anything venison related is is probably something that I really enjoy. Do you have any like famous chefs that have been an inspiration to you or not? Yeah. Um or like any chef's recipe books that you just love. Yeah. Um Oh, that that's a good that's a good question. I mean I, I growing growing up loved Hugh Fenley Whittingstall. Yeah. Um I, I think he really got me into watching like food uh programs. Yeah. And then as I got and then Chef's Table. Um and I think if there's a chef that I really uh, Amaya, it's uh, Nikki Nakamara, and she yeah. owns a restaurant in um, Los Angeles. Yeah, um, and she's uh, a Japanese woman who trained to do sushi. Japanese American woman, sorry. Yeah, and which is unheard of, really. Women <laughs> in Japan don't do sushi. Yeah, um, it's quite sexist around that culture of, and one of the excuses they say is women's hands are too hot to hold sushi so it ruins the flavor which is ridiculous obviously yeah um and she was in america and her whole family told her that she should never become a chef she should do something else and yeah and she decided that she, she wasn't having any of it she just um, to prove them wrong exactly yeah um and and now she owns her own restaurant in los angeles and one of the best things about her restaurant is that she designs a menu around every different customer that comes in and she has really? folders of all the people who have ever eaten in her restaurant so it's wow. completely bespoke and she says he really liked the the i don't know the teriyaki salmon last time yeah. we're gonna make something that is gonna work of that again yeah. because he loved it let's go for that so it's that real personal touch back yeah. to going out to eat in a restaurant whereas nowadays people just go out to eat in a restaurant because it's a wednesday and they can yeah it's gone as the culture of a special occasion and yeah. she's making it special again she's yeah. also a great representation of queer culture because she is not only japanese american yeah. she's a female chef cooking japanese food yeah. <laughs> and she's gay which is yeah. just like it's it's a great trifecta yeah. <laughs> if there was anyone dead or alive that you'd love to cook for oh that i'd love to cook for um oh that's 
that's hard. I think most people would probably go for Gordon Ramsay, but actually that man terrifies me, and I don't know yeah. how to cook for him. <laughs> um, gosh, I think it would be Nikki still, Nikki yeah. Nakamura. I think, yeah. I mean, when I eat, I don't just want to. Um, when someone cooks, when someone eats my food, I want them to talk to me about it. Yeah, I want them to get as obsessed as I am about what we're eating. Yeah, and like all the different flavors. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think. I think that I think to it wouldn't just be to cook for them, but it would be able to then dissect what we're eating, yeah, and have that real conversation about our obsession, basically. yeah, yeah. What is the hardest thing you think you've ever cooked? Hardest thing I've ever cooked. I had to gelatina quail once. <laughs> Do you know what that means? Not really. <laughs> so it's where you keep it's, it's so a quail is almost like a baby chicken, yeah. Um, but it's not, obviously. <laughs> and um, the guillotine is to remove the meat completely from the chicken carcass, but leave it completely <laughs> intact. Um, that sounds very hard. <laughs> it is. It's re- and quails are quite small as well, yeah. so it 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 was fine work. <laughs> really hard, and everybody in my class really struggled doing it. Yeah. And something kind of happened for me. It kind of clicked into place when I started yeah. doing it. I realized that this kind of quiet concentration of making every single swipe of the knife matter matter yeah i became just transfixed on it and i just i I loved it and everyone (laughs) we stopped doing it and it was it was done and everyone went that was one of the i could never want to do that again and i said i love that that was amazing (laughs) i could do that right again right now let's do it uh but definitely sweat coming down my head because i was just like you you just one slip and you ruined it yeah so yeah would you ever if you were asked would you ever go on master chef gosh um Yes, I would. Um, I would go yeah. on MasterChef. Um, I'm sh- mainly to meet Monica Galetti because she's <laughs> awesome. And Marcus Brown, of course. Yeah. He's a bit of a silver fox. <laughs> but um, uh, it, the problem with MasterChef is I think you, you're put in such a high pressure thing. Yeah. And you, you know, even though these people know how to cook and they cook better than anybody else you'll probably yeah. know, you put them in front of a TV camera and tell them to cook and they struggle and they and they falls apart and the yeah, thing is they might be judged by other people as well yeah and everybody who watches that thinks that's an accurate representation of of you and i yeah. and that would be my worry that uh, yeah people would judge too quickly exactly and yeah. you know and it can ruin your career if yeah. if you seem to not know what you're doing yeah you know so but i would go on it just because i'm very competitive <laughs> <laughs> So it's now getting towards the end of the podcast. I've just got one final question to ask you. So what would you tell your teenage self? What would I tell my teenage self? Definitely it's not going to go away, but it is going to get easier. Yeah. Um, Try not to focus on so many things that you can't change. Yeah. And I guess for, for me with my, with my dyslexia. Yeah. I think I would say it's okay to struggle. Yeah. Because other people might not seem that they're struggling, but they are. Yeah. And um, don't struggle in silence as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. I think for my generation, mental health was never really talked about. Yeah. And I know that it's being talked about so much more now. Yeah. And it's been taken seriously a lot more now. Yeah. Um, And I think even if 
you you feel like you can't talk to somebody just yeah. opening up slightly to one other person can person make the trust, difference yeah. yeah and if somebody chooses you to be the person they open up to just it's listen a to them yeah it's a privilege if someone chooses to come out to you it's a privilege you mm. keep your own feelings about it to yourself yeah just help them help them it. yeah yeah we just need to be a bit kinder to each other really yeah <laughs> that's all yeah that would be it gets easier yeah doesn't well, go away but it gets easier Thank, Thank you. you for talking to me today. You're welcome. We hope you enjoyed listening to Talking Teenage Life podcast and that this discussion has inspired you. Please remember to subscribe via your usual podcast provider. We'd love you to leave a review online and don't forget to visit www.talkingteenagelife.com to find out what we're up to.